All right, I think I heard a shofar, but it sounded about like a mouse blowing a shofar. We need a a call back to worship a little louder. I I hear a shofar. I'm not sure what speakers it's coming out of, though. Let's find our seats again as the shofar is blowing, and uh, we have our brother Charlie here, and Charlie is going to uh, share with us from the Torah portion today. So uh, as we've uh, been, we you know we had Simchat Torah a few weeks ago, um, but we don't actually uh, follow the annual cycle here. Um, so in in the annual cycle, they would be in studying Noah this week. Um, We are in the second year of our triennial cycle right now, so we are studying Exodus. And um, we're going to be, the primary text for today is in Exodus chapter 13. So I'm going to turn this over to Charlie and allow him to share with us uh, some of the, what the Spirit has put on his heart this week as he's been studying Exodus 13. Thank you, Charlie. Shabbat Shalom. Can you guys hear me okay? Can't? Yeah? Okay. Cohen? Uh, funny guy. Okay, so um, I got asked to read Exodus 13, so if you guys want to turn there, we can. Um, so... I'm going to read Exodus 13, uh, 1 through 20. And as I read it, I'm just going to kind of give some references and some stopping points and things like that. And uh, feel free to turn to these other reference points that I give. So, but anyway, um, so Exodus 13, uh, depending on what Torah scroll you're reading out of or what Bible, it says, Redemption of the Firstborn. So, uh, Adonai spoke to Moshe saying, Consecrate to me all your firstborn from every, every womb of Israel, both men and animals. This is mine. Um, so basically, to offer up the firstborn is to, you know, you're making an atonement. And an atonement definition is the reparation or expiation for sin. Uh, and our redemption comes from Yeshua because he is the one who passed on the cross. He's the one who uh, was, you know, that was Lord, that was God's only son that he actually, um, you know, gave up so that we can be forgiven by the shedding of his blood. Um, So going on to verse 3, it says, uh, Moshe uh, said to the people, remember on this day which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by a strong hand, Al then I brought you out from this place. No hazmat is to be eaten on this day. Um, so that is basically to, you know, that no eating the hazmat is to keep the sin out of your life. And he brought those people out of Egypt with a strong hand. And that's the hand that we have to trust in, that we have to believe in, because when we're in our darkest places, that's when he wants to reach out to you. He does. I mean, and, and we've all been there. I, every everybody in this room has had a dark place in at some point in their time. 
but that's when he comes out. And it, he brought it out as a nation. He brought them out as individuals. And to us, now that we have Yeshua as our Savior, he reaches out to us individually. Um, and one reference that I want to give is in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, and it's verse 2 and 6. So, if we turn to that... All right. So chapter 3, verse 2, and mind you, this has always existed since the beginning of man, okay, all all these things that I'm going to read off here, Uh, but I just want to point this out in correlation that God brought his people out of captivity to get away from a different kind of people. Uh, But it says, so it says here, uh, this is for in the last days, the people will become uh, lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, hard-hearted, unforgiving, backstabbing, without self-control, brutal, hating what is good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than God, holding, an outer, holding to an outward form of godliness but denying its power. Avoid these people. So this is telling us to avoid people like this. And again, even some of us have probably been down that path before of having one of those. And that's okay because, again, we believe in Yeshua. He's our redemption. And as long as we're not backtracking onto that stuff, that's fine. And it doesn't mean that, you know, to completely avoid those people. If you can go out and reach and talk to them and walk with them, by all means, that's what you need to do because that's what us as believers are called to do is to reach out to these people so that we can shine the light into the dark areas so that way, that way the light can shine for everybody and to advance God's kingdom. And that's what we need to do. That's what we're called to do. If we're idly sitting by watching these people, especially if it's somebody you know, you know, that you need to try to reach out. And you're not going to be able to reach out to everybody. Everybody's not going to accept that. There are going to be people who just don't want to do it. And that's up to between them and God at that point. But at least you tried to do your due diligence to go out and talk to these people. But he brought these people out of Egypt, and I'm sure all of what I just read off, they were doing that extremely out there. I mean, they were probably doing it there. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and, you know, Egypt is not a great power anymore. Sodom and Gomorrah got destroyed because of the things that they decided to do and keep that way. So that's what he means by, you know, avoid it. Don't become like that. You can go out and talk to those people. But uh, another reference that I wanted to give was uh, Deuteronomy 4, 3, or I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 34. Um, So in 434, uh, where am I here? Okay, so it says, uh, chapter 434, or has any God ever tried to come and take for himself a nation within a nation by trials, by signs and wonders, and by war, and by a mighty hand and outstretched arm, and by great terrors like all that Adonai your God did 
before you in Egypt before your eyes. So, I mean, even that right there just states that nobody else is going to do what he did when he brought those people out of Egypt, when he brought his people out of Egypt. He's the one who's going to have the outstretched arm and hand. He's the one that's going to have his love and mercy reaching out to you when you don't want it, even. He's the one who's going to redeem you from what he has done. He's the one who redeemed the people out of Egypt to bring them out of that slavery, to bring them out from the bondage, to bring them out from all those things that they were facing. Even though they may have not wanted it, they came out anyway. And we saw how they acted after they got out. So, Okay, and one more reference that I wanted to make was Psalms 136.12. And then we'll continue on with that. Uh, but 136.12, it's pretty, pretty short and easy. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, his loving kindness endures forever. And that is exactly what he did to those people. With love and kindness and brought them out. Even though they didn't want him, and they, or some of them may have not even known him, but he brought them out anyway. And that's why if he's willing to do that for people that is stubborn and stiff-necked, that's what we need to do. We need to follow his path, follow, walk in the steps that he's walking in, and do the things that he's doing. And it might be scary, but that's okay. As long as he's on our side, that's all that matters. Okay? So, going back to Exodus and continuing on. Let's see what I leave off. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, this day in the month of Aviv, you're going, going, uh, you are going out. When Adonai brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the, Hav- the Havitites, the Jezubites, which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey. You are to observe this since during this month. Oh, sorry. You are to observe this service during this month. For seven days you are to eat matzah, and on the seventh day is to be a feast to Adonai. So basically this is just the start of Passover. And this is a precursor of what happened, you know, when, before Yeshua came out uh, into the world and actually did that. So... Um, Continuing on, uh, where am I at here? Matzah is to be eaten throughout the seven days, and no hamatzah is to be seen among you, nor within any of your borders. So hamatzah, of course, represents sin. Um, and then as he brought them out, he wanted them to live, you know, a sinless life, basically, which is pretty difficult, but for seven days. Um, but we don't need, uh, you know, because Yeshua is, did make that sacrifice for us, we can approach the altar and give up our sins um, or confess them to him and put our hearts on the altar so that way that we can be redeemed. Um, And, you know, without him being in the picture, we wouldn't be able to approach the throne. We don't have to do the whole breaking the neck and slewing the lambs and all that stuff, but we don't have to do that anymore. So we praise God for that because he was the the eternal lamb that we'll, we'll see again someday. So, um, all right, continuing on. You were to tell your son on that day, it is because of what Adonai did for me when I came out of Egypt. So it will be like a sign on your hand, a reminder between your eyes, so that the Torah of Adonai may be in your mouth. For with a a strong hand, Adonai has brought you out of Egypt. Um, And that is... Oh, I'm going to keep going, sorry. And you are to keep this ordinance as a moed from year to year. So, in that verse, 
to be a reminder between your eyes and Torah will be in your mouth is basically, it's almost a reference to the Shema, which we say daily. Well, you should be saying daily. Some, sometimes it gets skipped, but even as we sit here and we announce it out loud, um, you know, that is our reminder. That is our frontlet. That is what we need to be, how we need to be acting. We, if we put all of our heart, strength, and soul into loving God and into loving our neighbors, uh, you know, that's what we need to strive for as a people. Um, and it, you know, there's right here, there's a reference to, as to why we should do it. And in that reference, he's doing amazing things, bringing these people out of Egypt, getting them away from something that they don't need to be around. So, um, another point I was going to make, let's see here. All right. Actually, so yes, another reference point I wanted to make was in Romans 9, or sorry, Romans 10, chapter 9, and verse 9 and 11 and 13. So. And I just thought this is really kind of a, it's not exactly on point with this, but I think it's a good a good key factor to just keep in mind. Um, some chapter. Okay, here we go. For okay, so for if you confess with your mouth that Yeshua is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Uh, for I'm going to. I'm actually just going to continue to the verse 13. Uh, for with the heart it is believed for righteousness, and with the mouth is confessed for salvation. For the scripture says, whoever trusts in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile, for the, the same Lord is Lord of all, richly generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls upon the name of Adonai shall be saved. So, I mean, just confessing that with your mouth, you are, you're saved. And it's good, to, it's good to confess it. You could go and tell people this, like, hey, you know, this is my God. This is who He is. And you're confessing that to them. Will it strike their heart? Possibly. That's up, again, that's between God and them. They need to have an open heart and an open mind. But if you continue to walk with those people, as we were talking about last night in our poorhouse, if you walk with those people, um, you know, you could have a big impact on their life and then they can make a turnaround and actually come to Yeshua, which is what we want. Even if, it, even if it's just one person in your entire life that you made a turnaround, that's, that's more than enough. I mean, you want to try and get as many people on our side as you possibly can, but this isn't a walk for everybody. It should be. It will be one day. But right now, you know, we have to make those, those efforts and strive for those efforts and strive to make those people see what we see, feel what we feel. And, you know, God's not going to know what, or, or sorry, He will know what's in their heart. We, can't, we can share the joy that we feel with one another and with even strangers, but, you know, only God's going to really know what we feel inside. When we can sit there and talk until we're blue in the face to these people and and they, and they may not think anything of it, because I've did that before. I've did that with people. And that's okay. 
as long as I put it out there, and, I'm, and I still talk to these people, but as long as I put it out there and let them know how I feel, how I act, the way that I believe, that's okay. It's out there now. So now it's up to them. And again, between them and the Heavenly Father to make that choice. But it's out there. I, I hopefully planted a seed, and hopefully that's what we, we can do as well as a people. So, um, continuing on um, at verse 11 in Exodus, it says, Now when Aldani brings you into the land of the Canaanite, as he swore to you and your fathers and gives it to you, you are to set apart uh, to Aldani every firstborn from the womb and every firstborn male animal you have will be Aldani's. Every firstborn donkey, you are to redeem it with a lamb, and if you do not redeem it, then you are to break its neck. But if but you are to redeem every firstborn male among your sons. Uh, there is one more reference I'm going to make, um, and that's Colossians 1. And that's going to go to, I think, 20, I believe. See, I'm, not one, I'm sorry. Uh, we're going to start at 14 and go to 20. So this is kind of, you know, going off that firstborn. Uh, again, Adonai's son was Yeshua. That was his firstborn. That's, that's our Redeemer. So this is going to kind of tie this all in together. Um, it says, in him we have redemption, the release of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, the seen and the unseen, whether thrones or angelic powers or rulers or authorities. All was created through him and for him. He exists before everything, and in him all holds together. He is the head of the body, he, his community. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have the first place in all things. For God was pleased to have him. All his fullness dwells, dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, making peace throughout the blood of his cro- through the blood of his cross, whether the things on earth or things in heaven. So that right there just tells us that he really is the Redeemer. That even though... Uh, even though we may backslide through our entire lives or, or just once and, it, and you feel horrible about it, this, that's the redeeming passage. Because not, and, and not just that passage, just Yeshua himself. He is our redeemer. We can, again, we can take our sins to him and confess them to him and we can be forgiven of that. You can approach the throne in your room when you close your door and you have that time to yourself with him. And that's what we're, I mean, and he tells us to do that. We don't have to pray publicly. We can pray behind closed doors so you can have, you can share your heart with Yeshua. And that way he can forgive you and be with you and pull you in, pull you in with that outstretched arm. His outstretched arm is out of love, mercy, and kindness. It's not out of you know, anger or, uh, you know, anything like that. It, it's out of love. 
Everything that he does is out of love. And that's how we need to be. We need to be a people of love and show that love to other people. Because if he was, a, if he was doing that for them, why, not, why can't we do it for somebody else? Somebody that we know, somebody we don't know. Um, we, have to, we have to, again, strive for that. All right, so last little bit here. Um, so verse 14 in Exodus. So when your sons... Or when your son asks in times to come, what is this? Say to him, by a strong hand, Adonai brought us out of Egypt, the house of bondage. And when Pharaoh refused to let us go, Adonai slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and animals. So I sacrificed to Adonai all firstborn males, but I redeemed the firstborn of my sons. So it will be like a sign on your hand and frontlets between your eyes, for by a strong hand, Adonai brought us out of Egypt. Um... And just wanted to kind of point there, you know, he's redeeming his firstborn son. If you have uh, children, I mean, obviously the firstborn is going to be your firstborn, always and forever. But if that is the only child you have, you definitely want to, you know, make sure that he, he or she is following that path to Yeshua. Because he, if he is your firstborn, that's your legacy. That is where your bloodline is going to stem from. Hopefully they will have kids someday and they can continue on with that and they can go on and, uh, and teach their kids what you're teaching them about Yeshua and, and continuing that because we need it as a nation. We need it as a people and we need it for ourselves. So... Um, after Pharaoh had let his people go, God did not lead them along the road to the land of the Philistines, although that was nearby, for God said the people might change their minds if they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Sea of Reeds, and, and Bene Israel uh, went up out of the land of Egypt armed. Moshe also took the bones of Yosef with him, for he had made Binyet Israel swear an oath, saying, God, God will surely remember you, and then you are to carry my bones away with you. So they journeyed from Sukkoth, from Sukkoth Sokot, and encamped in Etham on the edge of the wilderness. Um, so he was even, uh, that, I mean, just reading that kind of sounds like they might have been tempted to go back if they would have saw something they didn't like. And God kept them away from it. Uh, and he kept them away from it, obviously, for a good reason. Even though they kind of turned their backs a little bit when they had that calf built and everything. But he knew what he was doing. He kept them away from the enemy. He kept them away from those people and that, those types of things. He brought them out. He let them, he let them uh, you know... A, took them the long way around instead of the short way, but he did it for a reason. So even when there's things in our life that we don't understand, you know, he has a purpose for it. Whether it's a, something that you don't, you'll, you may never get, but there is a purpose and there's a time and a place for everything. And I tell my son stuff like that all the time. Time and place for everything because he'll want to do something silly at the inappropriate time. But that's, that's kind of how this is working. He led him around. He didn't lead him astray, even though they may have felt like it. They may have felt like, what are you doing? Why are, you, why are we out here? Why are, we, why are we walking around in this desert? I know I'd be a little angry. 
walking around for 40 years. I get to see my son grow up in the desert. It's not very fun. No, there's not very much water out there. Um, and there is one more uh, quote I wanted to give, which uh, Lisa brought this book to our attention last night, and I thought this quote was amazing. Um, and this all kind of goes together with this, uh, this here. So it says, uh, and it says Jesus, but I'm going to say Yeshua. So Yeshua dines with sinners so that he can get close enough to touch us so that we can participate in the intimate intimacy of the table of fellowship as a healer and helper. Yeshua comes to change us, to transform us, so that, we, so that after we have dined with Yeshua, we want Yeshua more than the sin that beckons our fidelity. So that is, you know, he's bringing that to the table. And those people who were there in Egypt at that time, I'm sure they wanted to go back. That would be like us leaving our home here in Wichita and somebody saying, hey, we're going to go here out to Dodge City and we're going to walk through the plains and we're going to just go in big circles. You're going to think the guy's crazy. You're going to think, you know, why are we out here? But again, we have Yeshua though. And now that we have him, we can again be together. He can touch us. He can touch our hearts. Um, and he can save us from those, those cruel times that they went through. And we're going to go through tough times regardless. Like our tough times have yet to come. They're, they're still out there. And, and, you know, your whole life is a tribulation at some, for some people. I remember uh, uh, Richard Siegel, our old rabbi that was here a long time ago, he said his whole life was a trial. His whole, I mean, because he confessed to his parents that he believed in Yeshua, and they, they disowned him for it. And he said he'd do it all over again. If that's not powerful enough to, to say what Yeshua is capable of and doing, then... Open your ears a little bit more. <laughs> because uh, that's, I mean, if he's willing to do that again and have his parents disown him, I mean, that's a hard thing to, to accept. I couldn't imagine that. I couldn't imagine disowning my my kids because of what they believe in or anything like that. Um, and, you know, that what Richard confessed to them is, is believing in Yeshua, the man who was innocent and blameless and then ended up dying on the tree for our sins. But that's how we make it into heaven is through, through his, by his blood. And uh, I wouldn't want it any other way. And I hope nobody else in, in here wouldn't want it any other way either. Um, but that's pretty much it. That's all I got for you guys and short and sweet. So thank you very much for listening to me. Okay.